The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Welcome to Dropping In from Omega Institute, a podcast that explores the many ways to awaken the best in the human spirit. I'm Callie Alpert. Dropping into our Omega studio today, David Elliott. David is an author, teacher, and healer. He spent more than 20 years helping people address their deepest fears, traumas, and negative narratives using breathwork to balance energy. His books, Healing and The Reluctant Healer, detail his own journey, including embracing Claire Audience, a gift of perception that allows him to hear and feel emotions in others. From private one-on-one sessions to group retreats around the world, David listens to his clients, empowers them to release self-defeating patterns, and helps them achieve greater happiness. In 2001, David established the Healer Training Series for anyone that wishes to accelerate change and healing in their own life and the lives of others. David, welcome. Thank you so much for dropping in today on Omega's Rhinebeck, New York campus. Hello. Hello. I'm happy to be here. Pleasure to see you. Yes. So let's just get right into it. Um, Your work centers around the breath Mm -hmm. and is used as a tool to help people get inside their bodies, release emotions, trauma, stuck energies. So in, in essence, you're teaching people how to breathe. Yes. What is it that makes us overlook the importance of breathing when it's such a basic foundation to us you know, existing, basically? Why do we overlook it? Yes. Well, <clears throat> I mean, the primary starting point a lot of times when I'm explaining about breath work and the, maybe the, that primary reason to start is to get people out of their head. And that's where it seems, you know, much of humanity is existing and living, living in, and that can create, again, all kinds of blocks and problems and Mm -hmm. tension. And once we get them, you know, a little breath in and the mind starts to slow down, oftentimes that backlog of emotions, whatever's built up, whatever's stuck below the surface, it starts to come up, come, you know, and, and clear. So um, it's, yeah, it, it's really pretty simple, you know, how it works. Why do you, before we get into more of the mechanics and the details of uh, how it works and the physiology of it, why do you suppose that humans are so good at being in our minds when we so desire to be in our hearts? Yes. Well, you know, maybe in the evolutionary process, as we learn to use our minds and to even be maybe a bit dominant through our mind, controlling, um, positioning ourselves in certain ways, the mind became, you know, this chess piece or this way that we've been able to, you know, consider ourselves, I don't know that it's true, but, you know, kind of the top of the pyramid and, and maybe, you know, maybe we're not, but but our mind thinking, figuring it out. And when you mention trauma, <clears throat> it's oftentimes to avoid whatever has been painful in the past then can create more mental uh, stuckness or reliance on the mind. 
How does someone know when they need your help or the help of a healer such as yourself? What's the because yeah. crisis is often the great catalyzer for right. people to go to therapy or come to a place <laughs> like Omega. <laughs> yeah. Is it more crisis oriented initially or is it Well, so maybe I'm an anomaly, <clears throat> the oddball because, you know, I can say you know, you write a book called The Reluctant Healer. It's it's something that, um, you know, I don't cast a net to pull people to me. They come and find me on through word of mouth, however, however it transpires. Um, and sometimes it is high need, you know, or what a lot of people have said for actually closer to is 27, 28 years now um, is maybe I'm their last stop or mm-hmm. last they've explored and gone through, you know, all the traditional routes of science and Western medicine, mm-hmm. therapy, um, you know, I, the way the work I look at, the, the, what we're doing is taking people into a spiritual experience, which is vastly more than just the breath, the breath work, but the breath work is the tool that kind of opens the door. Can you speak to that? Because I love, you know, in in knowing about your work Mm -hmm. and learning more about it in um, anticipation of knowing we were going to talk today. Mm -hmm. The idea, and I'm jumping ahead for a moment before we start at the beginning of this question, is that there's a great reconciliation, it seems, with the physiological slash science and spiritual. Mm -hmm. How does it work? If you could break it down, um, just the mechanics first Mm -hmm. and how that sort of grows to be more of an overall spiritual experience. Well, I mean, it's it's literally – um, as simple as getting people to breathe for typically, I would say, five to seven minutes and taking in more oxygen. So we're breathing in through the mouth as opposed to the nose. Some you know, breathing modalities, you're breathing more through the nose or different type patterns, but we're breathing through the mouth and two breaths in the low be- low. The first breath is in the low belly. The second one moves up into the high chest. So it's like one big inhale, and we actually break it apart. So it sounds like this. And it may not be that full for some people. That's kind of the suggested pattern. But what that that slight increase, so I tell people we're not hyperventilating. Mm-hmm. We're, you know, doing something that is sustainable, more like climbing stairs, an exercise breath, which can also create a, a bit of a high or some endorphin release. So what we're doing is getting enough oxygen into the bloodstream through the lungs. It travels pretty quickly to the brain. Again, not creating a hyperventilated state, but literally um, creating enough energy flow oxygen that the the hypothalamus gland gets triggered. And as the crown chakra, it will start to release these endorphins that flow down to these other little mini computers or chakras or or, or ductless glands, um, the pineal, the thyroid, the thymus, you know, the adrenals <clears throat> on down um, the body. And 
And, and it's something about that, that release as that energy, those endorphins start moving, um, people start to feel energy. They'll typically start to feel some tingly vibration in the hand. Some people might feel it a bit around the mouth. Um, I, and again, we could stick to something that might be a little more linear and scientific trying to explain it. But to me, that's only... Five percent of the possibility. I'm always looking at, well, what else? What really is happening to a person? What is triggering their emotions? How? What's bringing you know this these emotions and this energy up? What's you know why? How's it? You know why? How's it happening? What's my intuition showing me? And and so literally after about five to seven minutes, the experience changes from being more kind of work and even a little bit robotic and just, you know, doing the breath. As soon as the energy starts moving, then the spiritual experience starts happening. People start feeling things um, that are happening inside of them. You know, they may, as they start to tingle, suddenly you know, the emotions may start to move. So if somebody comes to me who's in a really bad depression, you know, I'll know immediately because I can see it, I can smell it, I can hear it. Um, and I also can sense emotionally what they're sitting on and what wants to move. So I'll say, you know, we're kind of like spiritual midwives holding space. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, I'm not holding and creating an agenda that is about me doing anything. I'm really just neutrally holding space that the breath and the spirit being activated with the breath creates an experience for the person that, and why I'm, you know, continuum will always use the breath is it's active. They're doing the work. Five to seven minutes, you're saying somebody can have an experience even the first time? Yes. I mean, that five to seven minutes, my bad, maybe bad analogy that I use when I teach is that it's kind of like um, the example I give is if, you know, in the old space shuttle days, you would see, you know, they'd have the shuttle with two big fuel tanks or whatever attached to it, and it takes all that fuel to get the shuttle out of the atmosphere of the Earth, as that's happening, the fuel tanks drop away and the shuttle goes on mm. about its mission and comes back with, you know, much less need for mm. fuel. And it's kind of like that. To get out of the atmosphere and control of the brain, it takes that first five, six, seven minutes of pretty steady, you know, uh, deep breathing, we could call it, um, and then once they get to that place where suddenly, I mean, the core essence of what we're doing is teaching people how to get in their heart, mm-hmm. how to open the heart. But the if the mind's in control, the heart is generally disregarded or kind of, you know, really ignored. Um, and I will always say the true intelligence is in the heart, and I'm going to trust the intelligence there more than my mind. Given the opportunity, a lot of times people don't know what to do about it 
in talking about it, I always say is kind of like circling the wagons, but <laughs> it won't take people deeper into feeling it, but also being able to move it. And that neutral place with the mind gives great access to the emotions. So, Do you think we should say that um, this work is based on pranayama? Heal, uh, yeah, work, right? I mean, people ask me often, where did it come from? So what I was told, um, I, I have had, in the third time I did the, this breathing, I experienced many past lifetimes, but the th- almost 30 years ago, uh, a, a bunch of crazy things were happening in my life in Los Angeles. I was had moved there to be an actor and was pursuing acting, and People started grabbing me in stores, on the street, in airplanes, and telling me I was this healer. (laughs) They'd start fishing out tapes and cards that they'd been sent from their whatever, psychic or guru. I mean, it was very Hollywood and Los Angeles, and I thought, you know, people were pretty crazy. But finally, I was like, okay, God, you need to send me some answers. I don't know what this is about. My phone rang. One of my best friends said, you would need to meet this healer. Uh, I have this feeling about it. He's coming to L.A., and his name was Tim Heath. I met him. Anyway, as soon as I met him, he told me, he said, hello, brother, we meet again. I said, what? And he goes, oh, yeah, I've known you many lifetimes. You taught me uh, a meditation, pranayama breathing meditation in India 2,000-some-odd years ago. I mean, I was about rolling in the floor by then (laughs) because he was saying a bunch of things. But I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. He goes, oh, you've been doing this work many lifetimes. I'm not your teacher. I'm, I'm just the messenger. And I was, again, this is almost... 30 years ago, I was an actor. It wasn't like I was abundant. I was going to be paying him $100 for a session. And he goes, well, do you want to experience it? And I go, sure, why not? And I did the the breathing with him. And yeah, it was changed the course of my life because literally I felt almost all the emotions that had accumulated. And I, uh, my family, we had lost uh, my a baby brother when I was five and a half. He was a year and a half old, and I had kind of breathed that that you know whole experience in you know as part of probably the empath healer that I was or you know, didn't know I was at that young age. But I carried it with me, and I think it it actually led me to acting because acting was teaching me how to work with my emotions and then this breath i mean it literally got took me into the core of that sadness that i've been carrying and it spiraled out of me like a gray tornado wow. and i i mean i didn't even couldn't hardly know who i was for a little while it was so profound um and it got my attention, and even though I was very reluctant for many years after that to take that on, I for two years, Tim would come to my house, and there would be sometimes 25 people that had shown up that month, and so I would <clears throat> kind of 
help him work with them. I mean, I would set him up to work with them, and then he would actually get me in the room to introduce them, and he would suddenly say, hey, get him started breathing. I'm going to go get a cup of coffee. Well, he'd go get a cup of coffee, make a phone call, have a cigarette, and next thing I'd know, I already the person had already had a whole experience, and he'd come in and go, good job. And I'd be mad, like, what are you doing? And he's like... This is this is natural. This is what you're meant to do. And I go, no, I'm not. But eventually, you know, the universe wins. Did you know that you had something to heal? Were you in any way conscious of everything you were holding around the loss of your brother? I, uh, I wasn't aware of that, even though I always knew I could look back and I literally could remember that day in slow motion and still can um, and kind of almost every detail of it. You know, my parents were young, Catholic, you know, five kids, high school sweethearts, married at 18. You know, I think they were 25 or 26 when my brother died. So it was kind of, and my dad was a farmer. My mom was taking care of, you know, five young kids so you know the the ability to to have much of a grief process was maybe non-existent i don't know um and so it was kind of like he was forgotten about um in a lot of ways but i always had a connection with him but didn't think about it so much um so and feeling it release out i knew that there was, you know, a change that mm-hmm. occurred there. So you're a young um, actor aspiring or on mm-hmm. your way acting in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And then you have all these mystical experience and people just unsolicited coming up to you and telling you what you're supposed to be doing. Did you even, did you have a language or any inkling at all, any connection, any practice uh, uh, yourself? Uh, you know, honestly, I didn't know what was happening. I was like, these crazy new age people. <laughs> Los and, Angeles you for know, you. I'm going and, back to Kentucky. Yeah. And then it was kind of like, um, um, you know, I, I was like, well, so in the acting process, simultaneously, there was this crazy thing happening. So the Claire audience, well, I also went through a big kind of heartbreak relationship and somewhere in that process and right before I moved to Los Angeles, I, my friend, a friend took me to, she's like, let's go to the Keys. I want you to swim with dolphins. So I, we did that and um, we're in this place and the, the place where the dolphins, they were wild dolphins, but they could come and go on their own. Of course, they fed them so they would <laughs> hang around. But the guys said, okay, you can get in the water. Um but uh, don't they won't come up to you until we start to feed them. But go ahead and get in the water. So I and I'd never even snorkeled before, but I got in the water, <laughs> and these two big dolphins came right up to my head and rolled right past my on both sides <laughs> my head, and then they rolled their eyes back and they started sending sonar through my brain. Oh my. And I'm and I suddenly heard these people yelling, so and I'm not like I say I didn't I'm a I was a sinker not a floater so I like <laughs> raised up in the water and the guys are like 
they've accepted you. You can reach out and hold them. They want to pull you through the water. But by the time I splashed back down, they were kind of like their attention span. They kind of moved on. But I think they did something in the audio part of my my instrument. Um, And so, but to compound it, uh, at a certain point, I started going into auditions, and a couple of times, I don't know, for some reason, I w- walked in, I heard people say, we are kind of, w- we're wasting our time. We've already cast the spot. <laughs> what are we doing? And then, so I just, this happened twice, I just turned, walked out, and then got a call from my agent Right, right away, and she goes, uh, "What did what happened at the audition?" And I go, "Well, they told me they already they're wasting their time. They already cast the role, and this certain actor has it." And she goes, "Hold on," clicked over, and then she came back on laughing because she already knew there was something about me that maybe wasn't typical. She came back on laughing, and she said, "They're a little freaked out." Um, <laughs> What you said is true, but they said they didn't say anything. And she goes, now I get it, you know. And she said, kind of what I've been feeling with you. She said, you might as well on your resume put actor, healer, because that's kicking in now. And literally from that point on, any audition I went on, the people would be like, oh, da, 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 acting. Oh, now tell us about the healer. <laughs> right. And when's your next slot on your available so that transition kind of happened abruptly so we were talking about the process the actual breathing that you facilitate mm-hmm. um, sounds like there's it's there is a standardized process that you go through that doesn't deviate too much from mm-hmm. client to client right? right right do you find that the way people respond obviously individuals humans are all very mm-hmm. different yeah do you feel like there's also some st- standard um, or universal ways that people respond yeah I mean I, I think um, there's lots of ways to look at it so for me you know I don't push people too much I kind of let them <clears throat> choose because like going back to what I was saying earlier I want them to be claiming or taking ownership for their experience and um, uh, and to feel empowered and good about that. So, um, you know, it, it can, and for many years people would say, gosh, that was like 10 years of therapy in one session because we can cover a lot of ground and I will, you know, a lot of the work beyond the breath work is to teach people how to make accessible their intuition, whether it be the clairaudience, clairvoyance, clairsentience, claircognizance, whatever the clairs are, um, <laughs> that they you know, can read a person, sense a person, and have clarity in their boundaries to know what's theirs and what's somebody else's. And so, you know, maybe one of the greatest I think human needs and desires is to be seen and heard and felt without judgment. And so a lot of times a guy can show up at the door wearing a suit and, you know, be like, well, coming because my wife told me if I didn't come <laughs> to see you, we're going to mm-hmm. 
whatever, get a divorce. And so mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I'll go talk to him a little while about baseball and basketball <laughs> and get him comfortable. But it's happened many times that, you know, as a guy, as I open the door, you know, a guy's tearing up and going, I don't know what's happening. Why is this happening? And I'm like, it's okay. Some part of you, you know, is ready and feels this on an unconscious level. It's going to be confusing to your mind, but that's a good thing. Um, and, um, you know, even more so that I, I might see this, you know, with women, but I really even cherish it with men because I, I'm in this real phase of feeling like we can benefit by drawing the men out more now. And thinking about the human body for better or worse, the human body as a a stealthy container Mm -hmm. for memories and feelings and pain. Mm -hmm. And I'd love to hear you speak to the benefits of pain. So it's it's. I always say it's all what you do with it, whether it's pain, addiction, high creative energy. You know, if you don't use it, it's going to probably use you. Mm-hmm. And so if you can take your pain, uh, I always say, you know, you take great amounts of sadness. You know, if you don't do anything with it, likely it's going to turn into depression. You mix a little love in there with it consciously, it turns into this tremendous compassion. You take severe anxiety and you let it keep running rampant. It can, yes, cause a lot of trauma and a lot of problems. You mix a little love in it and you can end up with this tremendous, you know, intuition. Um, You can take tremendous amounts of anger and rage um, you bring it, you know, a little love in it, make it a little more conscious, then it's described as this great passion. So it's all what you do with it. There, there's a quote on your website that says, my primary work as a healer is to remind and reconnect people to the power of love. Self-love is the starting point for anyone seeking healing in their life. Mm-hmm. And my question to you is, why does it seem that self-love is a concept as opposed to a reflex? Well, I I would say, you know, my whole life, but for sure this last 27 years has gone into studying why people, some people change and heal and why some people heal things that doctors tell them they can't Mm. heal and that it's whatever they have is terminal and, you know, and at the core, the one trend or the one quality I've noticed is whatever it takes when the light comes on that suddenly I have to love myself and I have to be gentle and treat myself as you know in a very sacred way. And in the work I'm doing, uh, I'm trying to help people imprint through towards the end of the breathing that that gentle hum vibration they're feeling moving through their body is their representation of self-love they've been breathing they've been releasing doing that work now what you're experiencing right now that's self-love and start to kind of realize that you can make choices to maintain that in the face of anything that you can 
keep that connection. And it is always firing through our, you know, we're, our nerves are always, you know, as long as we're breathing and we're alive and even maybe a short while after we're not, we'll continue to have electricity and energy and even spirit moving through us. So unfortunately, I find in the human suit, we generally, I say we kind of got to keep going through these love experiences, uh, learning what love is not before we can get to the place where we choose what it has to be. What I love um, that you just said about uh, giving people almost like a physical palpable um, touchstone Mm -hmm. of what self-love feels like, almost like there's a moment in the process with you or this work Mm -hmm. where they break through to that is really cool. Right. I I say said it today with a group of people. This is it. What you're feeling right here. This is self-love. Remember this. Let's Mm. imprint this into your memory bank. This is what it feels like. I can recreate this. I can sustain this this connection. When you do, it's it is the game changer. It turns on the immune system. It turns the immune system back on for people that that sh- shut off. It you know it you know it literally awake awakens people. You know, so. Well, you already dipped into what my my final question was, which was, have you ever wondered uh, what the world would be like if everybody did? breath work. Mm. I'm, I'm open to any sort of spiritual practice that can get people into that place of self-love. And I know there's many paths to the heart. Um, I just don't know that many that are as effective and maybe as precise, but I'm open to um, believe that probably and hopefully humanity can be at a place soon where we can, you know, realize something good and wholesome and holistic can happen if we choose to connect and see ourselves in each other instead of needing to judge what we don't love about ourselves and make it about others. And, and um, so, yes, I, 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 I think some things will have to come move along, but, you know, I would gladly if it got to the point where there was, you know, a bigger appetite, I would love to see that. I'd love to hear more about your foundation in New Mexico. Can you tell me a little bit more? Yes. So it's called the Creative Healing Arts Center. Um, It's a piece of land, old ranch land, that uh, was able to purchase with some friends. Um, And really, it's a slow process, but we're working to bring it back to maybe how it was a couple hundred years ago. The purpose is to ultimately it be a healing center where people can come and learn about creative expression as a healing tool, taking, creating messages, you know, movies, music, uh, messages about taking care of Mother Earth, and then allowing her to take care of you. So finally, I'd like to ask you three questions that uh, I like to ask every guest that we have here on Dropping In. The first one is, if 
I could grant you one wish for our listeners, what would it be? For our listeners, um, <laughs> uh, maybe I'm still on the place of exchange. I do like to make a lot of things accessible to others. There's probably 15 of the meditations that I've created on Spotify. You can go on there and search for David Elliott. Of course, David Elliott's kind of like John Doe, but if you find... <laughs> you might uh, have to put in the word healer afterwards, yeah, you, right? Yeah, yeah, if you put in, and you'll see the, the, med- the albums that are... Cleanse, mm-hmm. manifest, spiritual practice, uh, a bunch of those. Um, and then also on my website, there's a, in the news section, the second book I wrote, Healing. People can download it for free as a PDF. So I'm all about anymore or, or have been for quite a while of, of trying to give people, you know, life-changing tools that I believe in. So that would be my gift. What is something that you wish for yourself? I would definitely, uh, you know, invite in more joy, more celebration. Gratitude is a big, you know, I'm a big practicer of gratitude, practicing gratitude and just slowing down and, and taking in the moment. And then finally, what's the most important offering or tip you'd like listeners to take away from our conversation today? I would just say, you know, in my uh, humble uh, encouragement and opinion, you can heal yourself. You know, uh, just because I use the word healer, I don't really believe I'm ever healing anybody. I'm teaching people to heal themselves. And so my encouragement would be, you can heal yourself. So finally, if our listeners would like to learn more about you, where to find your books, um, any other offerings, where can they look? You know, there's my books are on, obviously, Amazon, Audible, um, the if they Google whatever David Elliott, pretty much davidelliot.com will bring them to my website. And, um, you know, David Elliott Healer, you'll probably find me pretty easy. So, so thank you so much. Yes. Such a pleasure to have you today. Uh, Such yes. a gift. Yes, thank you. Thanks for dropping in with Omega Institute. If you like what you hear, Tell your friends and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps New Year's find us. Dropping In is made possible in part by the support of Omega members. To learn more, visit eomega.org slash membership. And check out our many online learning opportunities featuring your favorite teachers and thought leaders at eomega.org slash online learning. I'm Callie Alpert, producer and host of Dropping In. The music and mix are by Scott Mueller. Thanks for dropping in. Are you ready to ignite your best life and illuminate the world? I'm Stephanie James. I'm a motivational speaker, transformation coach, and psychotherapist. And what lights me up is helping people just like you create the greatest versions of themselves. On my podcast, Igniting the Spark, I will help you ignite your joy and reach new heights in your personal and professional life. 
Join me for some incredible conversations with authors, spiritual teachers, and other influential thought leaders to help guide you on your way. If you are ready to stop playing small, join me for Igniting the Spark on the mindbodyspirit.fm network or wherever you get your podcasts and ignite your best life.